This is True Compassion, a Christian podcast examining homelessness and its community and how the Christian church can help. Welcome, everybody. I'm Pastor Eric Leidick, and this is True Compassion. Well, good morning. I hope you've all had a wonderful week in the Lord. We're very excited about letting you hear the testimony of our good brother, Glenn. Glenn's been a follower of Jesus for almost 45 years, and you'll hear the impact of that long walk with the Lord in his testimony. As always, we're interviewing people in various states of their walk with the Lord. Some just started, some still struggling to find him. And like today, Glenn will be looking at somebody who's had a long walk with the Lord, many ups and downs. I'm very excited for you to hear this testimony. So let's get into it. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You and I have known each other for a while now. How, how long have we known each other? Oh, gosh. 12, 13 years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow, it's been, yeah. it's been a while, right? Yep. We met serving together. Mm-hmm. That's cool, right? Yep. Yeah. You're a believer, and you've been a believer for how long now? Since I was 12 years old. Yeah. And I'm 57 now, so I guess that's 45 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. That's like a that. long time. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Not, a walk, not walking with the Lord for all that time, but... But I believe. Yeah. You know, yeah, I feel you. Faithful. Yep. And you um, teach Bible study, and you lead worship, mm-hmm. and you evangelize on the street, and you uh, lead guys in devos, and take men to addiction studies, and you care for the elderly. Anything? Did anything else I leave out? <laughs> Where, wherever I can help. Yeah, wherever and then yeah, you've just, got a good heart. Got a good heart. But you have still struggled in your walk. You have, you've had moments where um, you were really in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about kind of where that started. Like, you know where it came from, and we can talk about that if that's something that you want to talk about. For me, it was, it was kind of like two phases. Because the first time, oh, say I just got into my early 40s. It's like 40, 41 years old. And I know pride got me in trouble. Um, and I know it was spiritual. I had a, you know, at that time, I never drank excessively anything, you know, like that. Although, I, of course, I did in high school. But not, of course, as an adult. And, uh, and I had a whole closet full of liquor bottles, you know, because I, I, I worked at the hospital. And, and uh, you know, of course, everybody gives gifts of spirits and stuff at Christmas, you know, and I was just, I would just put them away like, okay, you know, if I ever have a get together, it'll come over. But, but not too long after that, the pride got in front of me. Uh, just a, a quick uh, zoom back. I come from a lot of chaos, abuse, you know, single parent kind of thing. Very, you know, just a bad, bad childhood. And, uh, and just basically forcing me into my teens that uh, that I wound up just kind of going on my own. So I was working at this one place and there was this guy there that, um, and this was after like, I really started walking with God. I'm, you know, like I'm like early thirties. But I had a lot of growing to do because uh, basically uh, this guy had a drinking problem, had a drug problem. And, and I knew my dad had, a big drinking problem, 
and had and had a lot of things going on with him, which just kind of passed on down. But but this guy would just get under my skin, just with his comments and his drinking and all that. And I just kind I would just kind of boast like not to him, but I would say I'll never be like my father. I'm not I'm not ever gonna you know be like he was. You know, especially when I had kids, I wasn't gonna drink around kids or anything like that. But this guy, uh, you know, he, like I said, just pushed a few buttons and I just kind of got myself into, uh, into trouble with pride. You know, it definitely affected things in the workplace and all that. And I think, I think some of that may have come to a head at the end when I was, uh, so, but it just led me into trouble because right after that is when I started, but I just started drinking. Not for any apparent reason, like I wasn't like, oh, I'm in despair, I need to drink. Or something like that. I just, I just started drinking. It was just like, it was almost like, you're gonna mock drinking, and your father, you claim to know me, yet you're so unforgiving that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and I, I just think that, uh, that I had it handed to me, and I deserved it. You know. Uh, but the Lord sustained me through all that. But the, uh, the second time, I guess, in 2010, I went to U-Turn for Christ. Okay, let's step back. U-Turn for Christ is a Christian discipleship, all-encompassing re-entry ministry for men and women trapped in the deceptive, never-ending cycle of addiction. U-Turn's goal is to teach individuals to be independent, self-supporting, and stable under the Lordship of Jesus Christ by becoming an asset to their family, their church, their friends, employers, school, and society. Most people who join U-Turn for Christ go there after hitting their life's bottom, and some are ready to do whatever is necessary to have Jesus Christ restore their lives and give them peace again. U-Turn says, we have found with men and women prepared to give up leaning on their own understanding and completely surrendering themselves to the Lord's work for eight months. Their lives are never the same again. Amen. All right, let's jump back in. That kind of got me got me in a good place, you know, where I can kind of restart, reestablish. Through that time from when I got laid off there and then and up until that time, 2010, I just, I was just stopping. I would stop for four months, stop for a month, stop for a week, mm -hmm. but just kept doing it. Just kept drinking. I didn't know as I do now, but there was a lot of issues that I never really had dealt with. And after, um, after I was laid off from that job and just, just trying to get restarted, I did get restarted, you know, driving a school bus. Uh, for a while, and then I went and worked at a school. But then that, the drinking started again. There was a lot of, there was a whole lot of stress there and backstabbing and betrayal. Uh, just the things that uh, it's it's too long to get into now. But these kind of things, they do it. All of a sudden, these these triggers started coming that like just just kind of like really flipped my life upside down a little bit. Like it just felt like the pressure and the stress and the anxiety and all these things and it just fueled it and fueled it and you know so i you know so i just went i went heavily into drinking and i would you know every night you know or every night as soon as i got a chance you know once the kids were taken care of and i can like be no burden to anybody then i would drink to black out yeah. you know um it, it got so bad i didn't want to live anymore what is what's that feel like to be in a place where you don't want to live anymore. The, the despair is unbearable. It, it's commit suicide, but I didn't want to live anymore. Although I was slowly committing suicide by all the alcohol I was putting in my body. Mm. It was such a dark weight on me. 
it, you know, from the moment it got to a point from when I got up, I was already thinking about, okay, look, the store opens in, at 9.30 a.m. And, uh, and I was just gonna kind of plan out my day, just just like, you know, drink to pass out a little bit, wake up, you know, have a couple more hours, you know, with me and my wife coming home from work, something like that. This is when I wasn't working. And it was just, that was it. It's like, I just wanted that pain, that, that, that pain, that despair. I mean, every, everything from the past came up to me, came, just came back to me and, uh, and just, and just slammed me. And I really had, it came down, it came down to trust. Trusting in the Lord, I, I started going uh, to the addiction study down at Calvary, Philly, uh, and the Lord used that that meeting because I, I went to an AA meeting and that was didn't work for me. Uh, you know, too much too much rewarding of people, you know, for, for getting this or that. And, you know, I want to bash AA because you know, I know it's helped people, but I want to give all the credit to God, and that and that that was the thing, and, and I, I just I just the Lord just found me there and just you know just said if you if you just trust me, I could take that burden from you. So what's the what's happening in your family right now? So you've you've gone to U-turn, you started attending some addiction studies. No, they were they were very supportive. That was that was a tough minute, you know, a tough minute to sit down in the living room with my three sons mm-hmm. and admit to them what I've been doing, what I've been struggling with, and apologizing to them. Um, wow, that had to be yeah, really hard. Yeah, that that was that was that was extremely humbling, and that and that was that was like surrender. I was I was like, you know what, whatever's happened, I I caused it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to rely ask the Lord to heal it for me and. Uh, which he did, yeah. Which which he did, and uh, which which still amazes me now because I I don't even deserve that, you know. Yeah. But once I learned to trust, once I I mean, and, and you know, it's one everybody hears that's cliche. Well, just trust, just trust. But but this is so much more deeper. Getting real, you know what I mean? It's like not just just words. You're, you're at the end of your rope like okay there, there's nothing I have left that can either get me out of this you know there's not there's there's nothing else and I've and and I've and I'm like to the point where I'm done trying myself in my own flesh to do it and it not working so but, when but you say th- trust it's not I'm gonna trust you God with my plan right no, no, it's no, no. That that mean that meant that I'm going to trust God with whatever you have for me, and I'm going to be obedient to you. And and most importantly, when when I'm in these situations where I may get triggered, I want to go right directly to you, not to me. Like right. like I right, you know, when those moments come and I can just feel it inside, like it's it's it might trigger or it might hurt or something like that. Um, I just have have to know that like that's something that you could take away from me like if I just fully trust you you could take that from me and have comfort in return it's not like I'm just empty like okay what do I do now you're full it's like he fills you takes out the junk do you think that there's a difference between like what the world believes the word surrender means and what surrender as a Christian means oh yeah 
Yeah. There's there's always something on on the other side of the hand when, when the world's dealing with with mm -hmm. surrender. You know what I mean? There, there's always in what's in it for me if I surrender. Um, you know, how can I benefit from it? Okay, yeah, I'll look I'll look okay for now. So I'll I'll go ahead and be humble so it'll make me look better or something like that. But it's all self. Mm. Where real surrender in the Lord is realizing that we're nothing without Him. And and just surrendering to Him is, you know, let Him make the new creation that He says you're gonna be. When he, when, he, when his blood washes us and we're and we're converted, you know, we're a new creation. But we have to let him. The first time where I really felt a dark cloud lifted was the night you came over to my house. When I was I was at a point now where I was I was drinking and not even really caring if I got caught. Mm. Um, it was just I just figured I could trust myself to to kind of get where I need to be and kind of quietly like fade away, just taking a nap kind of thing. Mm. But a lot of that just got me to a point where. Um, that night, the only thing I remember from that night is is um, myself, is you, is waking up and you're praying there with me, and then <clears throat> I passed out again. Or uh, you know, and, and of course, if, you know, if you ever do a thing on deliverance or something, a pod, podcast, I can we can definitely talk about this. <laughs> um, but after you prayed for me, and after it, it, it it's. When all I know is when I woke up three hours later in the morning, I just felt like a weight was lifted off of my head. You know, like I, I just, there's no other way to describe it. it. It really, it was such a dark thing over me that it just, it was gone. And like, and I can actually like sense the Lord again. I just, I could feel a lightness. So on you top know, of, on top of your addiction, you think, your addiction opened you up to the enemy gaining some a foothold in your life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I, I even always used to think, well, wine and spirits, you know, like, you know, it's, you could say, I could see just evil spirits coming in with that, because that stuff, you know, it even says in Proverbs what, you know, what evil comes from drunkenness. Yeah, that was an interesting night. That's it. The night I received the phone call from your yeah. son, your youngest. So that, that prayer of deliverance or whatever, you know, that, that you were doing uh, definitely put a, it, it definitely lifted a lot of spiritual darkness from me. Uh, but, you know, it was just, they were just feeding in and I wasn't, I wasn't asking for help. Mm -hmm. When, so. now, when you say darkness, right? So I want to make this clear because people won't understand. Some people will clearly, if you have a faith, you're going to understand the difference, right? right? But if you don't have a faith... When you say the word darkness, maybe this is something everybody knows, but you've used the word darkness a couple times, mm -hmm. right? So darkness is not just, it's not just emotional heaviness, right? You're talking, or is it? Are you talking about something more significant? More significant, but with that, yeah, with that spirit, I mean, it, it's, you know, everything, everything's kind of with like a dark hue. In your life, mm. like you know what I mean, like it's just the you know the the, the the surroundings, you know. Even though the sun's out, it's just you know it's just you know my life was just dread, mm. it's just constant you know constant dread. Got a drink, I feel better now. 
didn't then go back because I just couldn't deal with the pain of the things that, especially uh, with the pain of, of putting my, my wife and sons through what I did uh, after saying, you know, so confidently that I would never do that with my own kids, what my dad did, which was out of line to say. Yeah. You know, uh, and I've certainly repented from that and, uh, and have forgiven him. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in church at this moment? Were you, were you, were you serving? Where, where were you in your walk with the Lord when you, when in this time period? I was. I was serving in the worship ministry. Mm-hmm. Totally wrong in itself. Well, what did it, you know, what was it like? I mean, that had it, to be a significant yeah. conflict. Yeah. Inside I, of you. That yeah, I hated be. myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I hated myself. And then, it, you know, like I, I just, you know, I would apologize. Obviously, I would apologize to the Lord and like, and ask him, you know, like, a, you know, to, to take away that urge, you know, to, to want to go there and to forgive me for not, you know, like, I trust you, but I wasn't really trusting him, obviously. Every day, it was like waking up in the morning and I just hated myself, absolutely hated myself, especially if I got caught, if Ellen caught me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that because I, I just I just saw what it did to her and it broke my heart, because that's my girl, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, by five, six o'clock, you know, I would, every, it was such a cycle every day. I wake up, hate myself, I, would, I swore all day long, I'm done. I'm done. As soon as four or five o'clock rolls around, you know, get to the liquor store before Ellen gets home from work and uh-huh. get something and start plotting out. You know, I'll I'll, I'll quit tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'll quit tomorrow. You know, and meanwhile, I'm like, I'm just. Uh, it was it was horrible. So that we know that the alcohol doesn't address any of the issues. No, it just covers them up. Absolutely, it doesn't. He doesn't help you move from that spot at all. It it, it essentially just you throwing down anchors. Mm-hmm. and that misery yep. right yep. so you had a breakthrough you had a deliverance moment which was uh, you know the beginning of your breakthrough and then after that were you absolutely done drinking at that point after that deliverance moment or what happened after that um i know i wasn't done drinking i was still dealing with the flesh you know there were still things that i haven't dealt with those things kind of surfaced in my life that's how i would deal with it and then just to compound things, uh, I was doing well, uh, like 2014, I was I was doing doing well. I had gone like nine months without a drink. Um, and then I injured my back. So that, that really messed me up because now I'm on painkillers. And of course I got, and I got addicted to them and all that. And I, and I just started drinking again, just to kind of compensate because the prescription wouldn't get me. Uh-huh. You know, and I and I was I was in a lot of pain, and then I finally went to like a pain management, and I got shots, which worked for a while, and still not dealing with all the triggers yet. Like what I've noticed with people who self-medicate is they just can't stand being uncomfortable, whether it's uncomfortable emotionally, physically, right. or spiritually. That's true, right? They they'll do anything mm-hmm. to get rid of that feeling of uncomfort. Yep. you know of uncomfortableness and there's something in that that I guess reminds them of a deeper hurt you had this moment with the Lord where you were finally able to go that's it what happened I just basically came down to uh, I basically came down to the ultimatum that Ellen gave me uh, like if you stop or it's over you know we can't be together uh, 
and I, I couldn't bear the thought of not having her in my life and, and putting my sons through what I went through when I was five, although... That's something you're fully aware of now. Yeah. But, and, and I wasn't even aware of it then, but uh, but it wasn't... Not the depth, right? Right, right. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. Not yeah. to the point where I, I really wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And there is a, you know, there is, there's something here I think is important to draw out, and your opinion is, is valuable. Accountability and correction is really important. Mm. You know, it's, it's really important. You know, I remember Ellen saying to me, I've enabled this. That's what she said to me. She said, I've enabled this because, you know, a, a drunk Glenn is easier than a depressed Glenn. That's a difficult place to be. Yeah. But when she decided, you know what, I want my husband back, and she made that statement, like, this is it, you know, that I think it's really important. I think it's really important for the people on the other side of addiction to 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 know that it's okay to set up those conditions and say, look, I'm not going to allow this anymore. You know, I want my loved one back. Right. You know, because it it is it as hurtful as that is to hear to set an ultimatum to start setting you know you know tough boundaries. You you needed it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that ultimatum. I mean, I knew that was real because before it was like, Glenn, I can't go up, I can't do this much longer. I can't, you know. Of course, that that always those little statements buy you a little time, mm -hmm. you know. Which you totally, you know, that goes out goes out the back door anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was it was when I knew she was serious, like, and I and I've seen her in despair long enough, mm -hmm. and not just not seeing her happy, never seen her smile. You know, because that's that was that's always been important to me. I always like to look at Ellen and just just having her smile back at me just that just cheers me up. <laughs> you know, that always makes me feel good. Like, and, and she knows that. You know, and, and that's that's a gift to hers too, I guess. <laughs> but um, but when she but when she did that, when it finally got to that point, then I, then I was like, then I was like, Lord, I'm re I don't want to, you know, like. I don't, you know, I want to deal with this. I want, you know, what, what, what can I do? Like, yeah. like, what do you want me to do? Like, and he was just in ways telling me, trust me, <laughs> trust me. Don't do that anymore. You know, if, if a trigger hits or something, uh -huh. you know, don't go there right away. Make that, take that thought captive. Uh -huh. You know, all these things that I knew that I've read in the Bible, like we're all just kind of popping out at me, like the Lord saying, see, I told you. It's here. It's here, you know. Yeah. And it's always going to be here for you. Like he wasn't doing it the, like the, uh, you know, he was just like kind of getting excited. Like, yeah, you're getting it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was able to stop. I also, also would, would help um, when Ellen finally came to that ultimatum and I finally got the message. And I, like I said, I was going, I was, I was ready to go with the Lord. I went to counseling. You suggested that to me mm -hmm. a few times. I didn't get it at U-turn which I think would have helped me if I did. Uh -huh. But I went and I got counseling and it wasn't just, I mean, I, I was able to finally share my deepest things, the, the deepest dark things that nobody ever knew. Uh -huh. I was able I was able to share that and get that out. Right. You know, yeah. and, and the sin with that, and that, that was probably, that's when it was like, 
this is for real. I'm, I'm free. Uh, I'm free. I finally, you know, Gadellan would even say, just talking to somebody about it because I was always able to talk to her. Uh -huh. Like, you know, like she knew, she knew all about my past. She knew yeah. all that. She knew about all my bitterness, all my anger. When I, you know, because it started to come over to when I was, I was always a happy drunk, mm -hmm. you know, but, but when these started things were surfacing, when I was abusing the alcohol, mm -hmm. I, I was starting to become an angry drunk. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was also at the very end too. I mean, there were other yeah. like little factors kind of coming to the head, like, sure. no, I'm not going there because the Lord, no, it would destroy me. It would have totally just destroyed my life. You know, it's bad enough that I'm grieving him, but to destroy the very gifts that, that I always wanted that he gave me. You know, is is just plain stupid and foolish and yeah. prideful. So, it's a good journey. What's a verse in the Bible that that is a a pillar for you? Actually, there's two of them. All right, let's hear. All right, so Proverbs three verses five and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart and mind, and not on your own understanding. Um, acknowledge the Lord, and He will direct your paths. Yeah. You know, so that's basically starting your day off with Him. And the other one is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven uh, to thirteen, and for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That That's, I would probably have to say, like, that would be my life verse right now. Uh -huh. The verse says, uh, because it's true, when I finally cried out to him, he heard me. And he answered. Yeah. And he came through and he rescued me because, and before that, it was always 80% attempt, 60%, never 100%. I wasn't all fully in. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and like, and, and it just, and those, those things just taunted me and haunted me, you know, my whole life until I was able to, Lord, with the Lord, dig it out, get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, you're sitting across the table from some people who are still struggling in their addiction. What's, what's something that you would say to them to help them? Well, I, I tell them, uh, you know, whether you believe it or not, there's a God who loves you very much. So much that uh, even dies for you, but but will also help you now, not just... Okay, so uh, another question, um, a scenario. You're standing in front of a family that's dealing with somebody who's lost in drugs and alcohol, mm. right? What what would, what's important for a family to know if they're dealing with someone who is who's stuck? It's not their fault. That that there's hope. So now you you work on the street now, mm -hmm. right? You minister to folks on the street. What's what does the street look like to you? I mean, a lot of people who listen to this podcast don't understand. So what does it, what does it look like? Spiritually, a war zone. It looks like a war zone. There's, there's, there's a heaviness all over the city, especially in the areas where a lot of people hang out, you know, where all the drugs are and everything. It's just, you know, it, it's almost like humidity is on a warm day. It's like, it, you know, that the evil. You know, when, when, you know, maybe it's because I'm just more spiritually in tune with that, but, you know, it's like the devil's playground. But everywhere you see it, though, yeah. you know, if, if you actually stop to take a look, you see the homeless, you see all the heavy laden like that, the drugs, the alcohol that's keeping them where they are. And sad. 
the uh, would you say that drugs is isolated to one area of the city? No. You know, some drugs have more prominence in different areas, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, like right now, I you know where it's the fentanyl that's that's taking the forefront now. Heroin's becoming a thing of the past now. Everything and uh, you know, of course, pills are always out there. People are always looking for painkillers, and and then um, I feel like no matter where we go, mm-hmm. it, drugs are present. Yeah, like drug abuse is present. Yeah, right. And 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 the thing is that they're 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 like they're so used to getting away with it. Mm. You know, I mean, they'll still do it under a, a police officer's nose if he's not paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if he happens to be in an area or whatever, but. Uh, like deals go on around us constantly right under our noses and it certainly does seem know. like the police don't they're not going after a single user right right i mean it's just like you know the the, the grip that drugs and alcohol have the enemy uses that it's such a powerful weapon what's your greatest joy serving seeing someone blessed by the lord through me you know, whether it's giving encouragement, uh, whether it would be leading worship, praying, any, you know, like, like any way, just serving the Lord, just seeing, you know, because you don't always get a chance to see that, especially us in the street. We never, you know, I mean, you see that, you know, you never get, you never get to see the fruits of that sometimes where you, where you just really feel like the person's receiving the love of Christ through you, you know, and they're experiencing that, you know, and that's the love we, you know, that they get. Yeah, yeah, from God absolutely. through us, you know, it's it's a know. good feeling to be redeemed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a good feeling to oh, be yeah. the redeemed, and it's and like being let out of a box. It's a useful dark. instrument for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, no, I mean, no need to no need to to be shy about that. The 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 joy in that is that God has redeemed you. He has brought you to a place where you are a useful tool, you know, against evil. And and um, and he's put you in a place where you can be very very effective, mm-hmm. you know. So that's, that's a thank wonderful you, Lord. thing. Yeah, I Amen. mean, just just to be rescued from all that, and now having the privilege to serve him, you know, and take and take those instances for his glory, mm-hmm. and not for my shame, you know. Uh, just 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 to magnify him. I couldn't ask for anything more. Mm-hmm. I, I could not ask for anything. Okay, so let me ask you the the big question, and then we're getting close to closings. But who is Jesus to you? First and foremost, he's my Lord and Savior. Hmm. He's the Son of God. He's he's a brother. He's a friend. He's a shepherd. He's a confidant. Someone I can trust. Hmm. You know. Um, really, he's everything. He's everything. I, I, I always think about him, mm-hmm. talk to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like safe to say you open, love the Lord. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love him beyond words. Yeah, and that's clear. That's clear. Interacting, interacting with you on the street, it's clear. Um, how's your family now? Restored, good. Yeah, uh, and and for a while now, 
you know, the boys are all grown up and out and starting their own families now. We still have a closeness. Uh, we love each other. There's no regrets, anything like that. I miss them terribly uh, when I don't get a chance to see them as often as I would like. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess any parent would be like that. But, uh, but yeah, the, I, they just mean so much to me and, and, and Ellen and, and like just seeing her at rest and at peace. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I just, I just sense it in her like that, like I got my husband back, mm -hmm. you know, as, as she was saying, um, cause she also would say, and it was very important to her that I led spiritually, you know, you know, that she thought, you know, that she, you know, she's like, you know, I, you're my compass there, you know, and of course if I'm, you know, uh, doing what I did, obviously. But, um, so yeah, it's, it, there's just, there's, uh, there's just a piece, it's like, it's, it's, it's like gone. And then, it's so gone. that, yeah, and the enemy, it's one of the lies that the enemy tells you that you've lost your family. Right. You've, it's gone, right? You've, he still tries. He still tries. destroyed it. Yeah. He right. still tries to get in my head and, and you know, like, because I'll be missing the boys or something. And then, and then he tries to get in those thoughts where now I start to think, well, what, what I didn't do for them better than, you know, but then I know the Holy Spirit counters with the, the fun times that we had together. Yeah. The close times and, and everything. So, but yeah, it's, it's a battle. Yeah, yeah, it is a battle, but you know, with the Lord, those with things the Lord, can be it's a, redeemed it's a good as well. One. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely worth fighting with the Lord. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen. All right. So, one final question: What is something that you think it's important for people listening to this podcast to know? And they, need, they and, need to know that there's hope, that there's an unconditional love, and there's a power that they could they they, they could attain in their life if they would surrender to God and to Jesus Christ. You're my brother and I've known you for a while and I've seen you go through a lot of these hard times and I've seen your love for the Lord and your surrender to God. And for me, you've been an inspiration. You've, you've you know, we've had our moments, right? Um, but the love that the Lord has given us for one another has always prevailed. Yes. Right? And, you know, I've seen you serve on the street and I've seen you love people in Jesus's name. I've seen you get angry with people in, in Jesus's name, right? Mm -hmm. Just frustrated with the fact like, listen, you could just turn. You can, yeah. you can just turn the Lord. You don't have to live this life. And I've seen that in you. And I admire those moments when, you know, you love someone enough to be angry with them, but still love them. Right. right? And, yeah. and. You know, thankfully, that's a wonderful addition to the ministry because it, you know, it's a genuine love. It's a love that comes with accountability, and that's right. that's a genuine love. Yeah. But I am thankful to know you, and you've inspired me in many ways. Thank you. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm thankful for you too. <laughs> The Bible teaches in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, that Christ gave himself as a ransom for all. What does that mean to you and I? This means that our sin is paid in full by Jesus' death. If you're a Christian, this amazing gift has been explained to you, and you likely understand the depth of this. Now, if you aren't a follower of Christ, this is what this means. 
The Bible does not teach that all people go to heaven. The Bible does not teach that there are many ways to get into heaven. In fact, the Bible doesn't teach that we can earn our way into heaven at all. The Bible doesn't teach that being a good person will get you into heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that caring for the poor will get you into heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that even a lifetime of doing good things for others will get you into heaven. However, the Bible does teach that we will never be good enough to get into heaven. And inwardly, we know this is true if we're being honest with ourselves. So what can we do? The Bible teaches that we can be saved by receiving God's grace. Receiving God's grace is receiving his unmerited favor. Another way to say this is, receiving God's grace means even though we don't deserve it, God is choosing to love us and give us a pathway to heaven through his son, Jesus. So what does that mean? Heaven is God's dwelling place and no amount of effort on our part will earn our ticket to heaven. Thankfully, God is loving and he understands our dilemma and God really wants us to be with him. So he's made a way. We are saved by grace. The work is God's, not ours. The Bible says, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. That's Romans chapter four, verses four and five. Here we see two great truths. First, God justifies the ungodly. Not people who have done their best and somehow have earned a gracious response from God. God justifies those who do not deserve it. Second, God justifies people who receive salvation by faith, not people who give it their best effort. So how do I receive this grace? Well, we start by drawing close to God, getting to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. John 14:6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What these words mean is that Jesus is declaring himself the great I am, God himself, the only pathway to heaven, the only true measure of righteousness, and the source of both physical and spiritual life. He was staking his claim as the very God of creation, the Lord who blessed Abraham, and the Holy One who inhabits eternity. And he is stating this, that those that choose to follow him will receive his grace and thus be declared righteous on earth and in heaven. So how do we follow him today? Much like Glenn did in his testimony, we surrender to God's will, to Jesus, and follow Jesus as Savior, Lord, and King. Well, how do we follow him today? We do it the same way the disciples did long ago. The Bible lays out the disciples walk with Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in an amazing way. And if you're interested in getting to know Jesus and following him, it's worth a read. The disciples heard the words of Jesus and believed them. They took his words seriously and obeyed them. They confessed their sins to Jesus as their Lord and God. They believed that he died to take the punishment of their sins and rose from the dead to give them new life. They followed his example and command to tell others the truth about sin, righteousness, and judgment. When we follow him in the way, we can be assured of following him all the way to heaven. And it's that easy, not our will, but his. We stop trying to blaze our own pathway and trust Jesus fully. 
Jesus invited the disciples by saying, follow me, and they received his grace. Glenn heard the call, stop with your plan and follow me. And he received grace and healing, and you can do the same. If you're struggling in addiction, in life, with family matters, whatever, get to know the grace of Jesus. Get to know Jesus Christ. Receive grace, receive forgiveness for the errors in your life, your sins, receive healing, and follow Jesus. That brings us to the end. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you and have a good week in the Lord. Thank you for your time and for listening. This is True Compassion. God bless you. True Compassion is an RHM production. 